Okay. Well, good morning. Sorry, need these. Age, you know, age. <laughs> so it's great to be here. It's always great to be asked to share God's word. So I thank you for the opportunity. Um, I talked to God, you know, many years ago about preaching and teaching. And um, we came to the understanding that whenever possible, I would accept invitations to speak. Reason being, you know, God's word is so powerful and it, it changes lives. There's nothing more exciting than seeing someone receive God's word into their life, act upon it, and then watching them change. It's wonderful. There's nothing magical, may I say this, about just listening to the word. It's our receptiveness. It's what we do with it that makes the difference, makes the change in us. We're told not to be hearers, just hearers of the word, but also doers. And Jesus said, when we obey his commands, then we're his disciples. So before we go anywhere on this journey, I'd ask you to be prepared to put into practice what God speaks to you this morning, today, the things he picks up on that he wants you to do something about. And encourage you to do that every time. Every time you hear the word, every time you read the word, be ready, be ready to change, to hear what he says and do something about it. Because we're meant to grow, aren't we? We're meant to become more like Christ. And that's an active thing. And there endeth the first lesson, as they would say in the Catholic Church that I was brought up in. <laughs> you know, this year I turned 60. As many of my peers have, we've turned 60, haven't we, Andy? <laughs> and I have to say, it affects us all in, a different, in so many different ways, I realized. Um, you know, some say, what's all the fuss about? Well, you know, just accept it. It's just a number. It's a big number, though, isn't it? <laughs> you know, and, but others, others are more effective, and they suddenly feel how short life is. And what have they done with all these years? 60 years. Where's it all gone? And then we begin to feel affected physically, don't we? We notice those extra aches and pains. I did a walk yesterday that... Five years ago, I could have walked just like that and, and it was so hard yesterday. <laughs> and we just can't do the things we used to be able to do. And I know that here there are many uh, past the 60 mark and you're saying inside, just wait till you get to 17, 18. <laughs> it's just such a funny thing, is age. Well, when I hit 60, something, something really odd happened overnight. And I suddenly developed this couldn't-care-less attitude. Now, over the years, I've encountered a number of people that claim to be Christians, and they have this couldn't-care-less attitude that is rather cringe-worthy. And they say things like, oh, I don't care what people think. I am who I am. And if they don't like me, that's tough. As long as I'm happy, that's all that counts. I can do what I like. God knows me. And he knows what I'm like, and that's all that matters. Well, you see, for me, that doesn't fit with my understanding 
of God's desire for my life or for your lives as Christians. We're followers of Christ. And when I hear things like that, what comes to mind are things like live at peace with everyone. Esteem others higher than yourselves. The first shall be last. If someone asks for your cloak, give them your coat as well. If someone says, come a mile with me, go too. And what about this one? If what you eat or drink offends someone, don't do it. That is really hard for some people. But you know, it's things like that, the the ways of my God, of our God, that are very different to the teachings that go on around us every day. Things we see and hear on television, on YouTube, the radio, Facebook, a lot of them don't match with God's ways. And nowadays they say there's no absolute truths anymore. Nothing is right or wrong. If you think something is true or right, then it is for you. And that's what the world tells you. And, and it can so easily creep into our thinking as Christians. And I know that because my own son was lost for a little while because of this sort of thinking. We have to be careful what and who we listen to and how we handle what we hear. Anyway, back to my couldn't care less attitude. (laughs) It's not so much you're not caring what people think. It's more about what does it matter? The attitude that makes most of us cringe is selfish and proud and sometimes comes from being insecure. It doesn't come from love. You see, the core of Christianity is love. We've sung a lot about it this morning. The core of Christianity is love. God is love. The Bible tells me that. We know that the very fact that God sent his son to die in our place is love. And when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he said in Mark 12, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's everything. Everything you are. You have to love God with. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. There's no commandment greater than these. Nothing. This is all that matters. Love God. Love others. Do that. And you won't go far wrong. The sense I have is not that I don't care, but that I have the choice to care and to love others. I have the choice. I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. I'm 60. I say to Dave, I don't care, I'm 60. What's the matter? (laughs) But I realize now I've got the experience of knowing and understanding God's love. And to the extent that I desire to choose to do, to choose to love. To choose to love those who may be on the sideline. Those who look a bit different. It's not easy to explain. And I confessed something to the ladies at the Grace Conference the other week. And I I thought I'd repeat that confession here. Just to try and bring a little clarity. The confession is that I used to have a fear of mixing 
or associating with people whose lifestyles they didn't agree with, or who acted different, or who I couldn't reconcile what they said with what God said. And I realized it was because I felt like I would be tarred with the same brush, or others would think less of me. I was bothered what people would think rather than what God thought. How awful that was. How awful that was. How wrong that was and how revealing. It showed me that I really didn't understand love at God's level. Bob Goff says in his book, Love Does, he says this, I want to live in a new normal where I can reach out to people who are different from me and just be friends. And that's where I think I've got to now. I want to live in a new normal where I can reach out to people who are different from me and just be friends. I don't really care anymore who I'm seen with, who I mix with. I want to be with people and love people, whoever they are, whoever they are. I spent 34 years in church ministry as an ordained healing minister myself for 15 of those years. And so I'm used to being a doer. I'm a good doer. <laughs> I'm a good administrator. You know, I do all these, I do these personality tests hoping they'll come out different. And they always come out as an administrator. I can make things happen. So for Dave, my husband, and senior pastor, I would often be the one who put the PowerPoints together for his sermons, found and downloaded clips. Oh, he still hasn't worked it out yet. <laughs> I find and download clips. I help put the Christmas meetings together, produce booklets, Bible studies. The list is just as long as your arm. I'm a great doer, and there's nothing wrong in being a doer. As I said earlier, we must be doers of the word and not just hearers. But it's your motive. It's your motive for doing what you do that matters. What's your motive? You see, my doing became my identity. So in reality, I wasn't ministering so much because I wanted to, because I loved the people and wanted the best for them. But more because I needed to. It was who I was. And in the midst of so much doing, the being, to a certain extent, the loving gets lost. And I think maybe that's what happened with Dave and I, which is why we ended up taking a two-year leave of absence. You know, the first three months, I struggled with being out of the confines, as you would say, of ministry. 34 years I've been in this, that's all I knew. We were married two years, went to Bible college for two years, and then that was it, in church work. And we'd only been Christians five years before we took a church on. Now, I think Pastor John Lancaster was even younger. Was he 15 or 16? <laughs> but, you know, all the time I was aware of the Holy Spirit telling me to learn to be. To be. It told me how important it was for me to be so that I could love and relate to the people that I would be mixing with in the months ahead. See, the Bible calls me to love, not to do, but to love. It says, 
The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Jesus said, a new command. Seems a strange thing that, doesn't it? A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by this, all men will know that you are my, my disciples if you love one another. Love is a powerful, powerful thing. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Not by what you do, not by how many Bible studies you go to, not by what church you attend, but the fact that you love one another. That is a bright, shining something that is easily seen and experienced by those around us. God is love. And we are called to love as God loves. How do we do that? If you were in love with someone here, as you are, Dave, obviously, get married next week. I can recommend it, 39 years this year. You're all right. <laughs> so if you're in love with someone here, the first thing you would do is find out about them and what makes them tick. So with God, we need to learn and discover first what God's love looks like. And we see that, don't we, in 1 Corinthians 13. So ladies that were at the conference, do forgive me, I'll be repeating just a little bit. But it's a message that I carry now. You know, love. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 to 8. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, how many want that? But have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Wow. That is what God's love looks like. What a picture. This is how he wants us to live out our lives. Us. It's a high standard. Study it. Let it get under your skin. Make it a part of who you are. Each day get up and ask the Holy Spirit to help you live love at this level. So when I was thinking about my couldn't care less attitude, keep coming back to that, I realized that this is what Jesus had. When it came to loving people, he couldn't care less what the leaders thought, what the Sadducees and Pharisees said. He loved no matter the opposition. He loved no matter what people said or thought about him. 
It's the Sabbath. Someone is sick. The leaders and teachers of the law say, come back tomorrow when it's not a holy day. Come back tomorrow to be healed. Jesus says, come here. And heals the person. There's a woman, she's been 20 years unclean because of a sickness that she has and no one will go near her. Jesus stops in the middle of a busy crowd, touches her and says that her faith has made her well. He touches her. A blind man sits at the side of the road. It's thought that maybe the sin of his parents has made him blind. So you don't associate it with him. Jesus spits in the mud, puts it on the man's eyes with his own hands so that he can see again. It's not a disrespect for authority. It is not a bad attitude that makes Jesus do these things that upsets people. It's love. It is love that cannot stand to see people suffer. It is love that hurts to see people trapped by tradition. It is love that wants to set people free from pain and sickness of any kind. So stepping back from ministry for a while, for us, has helped us to get things into perspective again. It's helped us to see again that what matters to God who loves us, who would do anything for us. Our God who wakes us each day with a fresh opportunity to love him and those around us. God and people matter. Our love for God matters. Our love for others matters. But not love as the world sees it. It has to be at God's level. We can have such a distorted view of picture, uh, picture of love because of our upbringing, because of things around us. And you need to draw back to 1 Corinthians and God's level of love. It is different. It's different to what is around you. It's different to what you've experienced. Draw back to God's love level. It has to be love that is patient in every situation. It has to be love that is kind, even when the other person isn't kind to you. It has to be love that doesn't envy. All this around us will pass away. It won't matter one jot. So what is the point of being jealous of things that we see around us? It has to be love that does not boast. You know what we have? What do we have to boast about? Whatever we have, God has given us. You might think, yeah, but I'm good at this. Yeah, well, God made you good at that. God gave you your talent. Use it. It has to be love that is not proud We're all equal in God's eyes. It has to be love that is not rude. There's no excuse for rudeness, whatever the situation. No excuse at all. It has to be love that is not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. And that means not repeating what someone has done or said that has hurt us. Not going over it in your mind and making it even bigger than it really is. It's a love that hardly notices when others do it wrong. Great phrase. It's love that does not delight in evil. It doesn't mock or laugh when things go wrong. 
Even when Americans are losing, yeah. Sorry, it's golf talk. (laughs) It doesn't mock or laugh when things go wrong. Even if that person has brought it on themselves. But it rejoices in truth. God's love is love that always protects. Always trusts. No matter what, it always hopes. Always perseveres. Never gives up. God never gives up on us. Don't give up on him. Or on others. His love is love that never fails. And this is how God loves us. And he wants us to love him at that level in return. And he wants us to love others at that level too. You may think it seems an impossible task. But if it's there in the word. If my God, your God says that it is possible. Then it is possible. So I pray that in future, your motives for all that you do will be out of a love for God and a love for others. May your waking thoughts be, thank you, Lord, for a new day in which you love me and help me, Lord, to love others and you at your level today. And may your closing thoughts be, thank you, Lord, for your powerful life-changing love today. Amen.